Hey there, Pastor Mark Jordan here from Hope Church. Thank you for stopping by and welcome to our online ministry. While you're here, make sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date on all the content that's released. And while you're online, visit us at our webpage at placeofhope.org. Hope Church is on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for Him. And we hope that this message today is helpful and inspiring for you as you continue to take your next step on your faith journey. Once again, thanks for visiting us and make sure to check us out at placeofhope.org. Aren't we blessed with some great musicians here at Hope Church, led by Christian. Great job, Christian. Great job. Hey, thank you all again for coming here uh, today on the holiday weekend. I mentioned that we would talk a little bit more about Pentecost as we got into this part of the service. And uh, I just want to say a really quick word about it because the way that we look at the Pentecost is when God sent the Holy Spirit to empower and embolden the disciples and all of the Jesus followers. And that was the day when the Holy Spirit quit showing up in just kind of one-off, one-time, one-place, one-space moments, and it's now available for every single person who professes hope in Jesus Christ and seeks to live a life for Him. And one of the things that when you look at the book of Acts, which tells the story of how the Holy Spirit came, and it speaks into that through the rest of the New Testament, is we see that one of the qualities that the Holy Spirit gives to the followers of Jesus is to make them bold, to make us bold. It is easy when everything seems to be going our way, when it seems as though the culture is friendly to faith and things of the sort, to be bold, but it is much more difficult and challenging when there are forces at work in the world that try to separate God from all of God's children. And we need that empowerment and the emboldenment that God sends to his people through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the way that I wanted us to celebrate Pentecost this year was to see the boldness of some of our individual friends and family members here at Hope Church speak about how God is at work empowering and emboldening them in their lives. And so instead of you having the opportunity to get to listen to me for, you know, however many minutes you would, uh, I figured, that's right, Michelle, wah, wah, wah. anyway, the trombone, sad trombone, uh, I wanted you to hear from others about how God is at work in their lives. And so you're, we're going to have four testimonies this morning of people that you've probably seen and have maybe interacted with and heard from, but you probably haven't heard all of their stories. And they're not going to share all their stories, just a little bit about how God is empowering and emboldening, emboldening them to live for him. And so first is David Cloggis. David is going to come and join us on the stage and talk to us a little bit about how God is empowering and emboldening him. And, and I believe after uh, David speaks, David has a music video he wants us to, uh, to experience as well. But welcome David to the stage, if you will. And let's pray. In fact, let's, let's do this first. Let's pray for a spirit of boldness to fill the room. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, I thank you for today. And I thank you for the four witnesses that you have called forth this morning to share a little bit about how you are empowering and emboldening them. And we pray for that empowerment and we pray for that emboldenment, not just for the four that speak, but for all of us who hear these messages here in this room, through our online ministry, as well as, Lord, those who will hear it later in the week or later on through podcasts and things of the sort. 
may that spirit weave and tie us all together since you exist outside of our understanding of time and space. So that however it is that we hear these words and we experience these messages that we ourselves may feel empowered and emboldened to be witnesses for you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. By the power of your Holy Spirit, we give thanks. Amen. Welcome, David, to the stage. Thank you, Mark. I am so honored and blessed to be a member of this church. Um, I started at this church when it was at the middle school. And then, for some reason, I guess I fell out of love with the creator of everything. And I guess a couple years ago, I said, I went to other churches also. I said, David, if you want to get yourself right, go back to the place where I did love coming here. When Tommy was here, when Frank was here, I truly loved it. And they were all great, great guys. Um, why talk about what I like going to church? But obvious, all of you. And things I can do better. I need to pray more. I need to, my brother does this good. He says, David, you need to listen and talk. <laughs> good advice. Um, how much I love Mark, Brent, Daniel, and Mark's wife, Tiffany, son, Ethan, and always Mia, Brent, his wife, Kelly. Brent and Kelly have the most kids because he, you know, he's a youth pastor. And some of those kids come back and, to thank him, and he's actually perform weddings for them. Great. He's a great guy. And Daniel. Mm, I like to tease him about sports. So, he's a good guy and his wife, Lindsay, and his three adorable kids. They're all great. Okay. What I like about me. I think what most I like about me, especially the past month or so, I'm starting to listen. There was times when I didn't listen <laughs> because I just, I get into a, a shell. Oh, woe is me. Nobody likes me. <laughs> but the truth is, I think every one of you likes me. And that's great. Um, and already today, I'm going to do this every month, kindness gifts. I gave the recipients of this month, Red, her mom, her dad, and her daughter, Georgia, and John, Amanda, Ava, and Red. Great, great folks. And John and his fa family. You're welcome. And John, when he said... I, I read the things, the nerdiest family of a whole church. I'm the nerdiest person here. <laughs> so, uh, if you want, we'll play the Ann Wilson song and then we'll continue. This goes out to every outcast. 
Till they just don't quite fit in Every wrong way, runaway rebel So ashamed of where you've been This goes out to every searcher Trying to fill that empty space Well, your searching days are over now Everything's about to change Part of Hope Church is listening to music about baptism. Baptism is so important. It cleanses you. It, it makes you feel reborn. Two places I've got baptized, Little Brown Church in Iowa and here. Only two places. And each time I, I've loved it. Have I lived up to promises I made? No. Not even close, but... This is a guarantee. From this day forward, I'm going to live my life the Christian the proper way. And um, who brought Ann Wilson music to me? Because I always listen to 91.7, the message for you, Cheyenne. And I'm happy for her. She's soon going to have a baby. Her and Reese meant the world to me. 
and Brittany, who comes every once in a while for HSM, same thing. And she's getting married soon, so I'm happy. Well, I'm going to close it with a prayer, and then we'll continue. Living and loving God, thanks for listening to me, all my church family. You don't know how much you all mean to me. You give me hope. You give me strength. And there's not enough thanks I can give you. As in your great name, always will say amen and amen. Okay, we got someone coming to the stage. Here you go. You're welcome. I didn't think it out real good. I got to get a table. Okay. Um, good morning. I'm Laura Dickerson, if you don't know me. And um, I'm going to just go ahead and tell you guys this is probably one of the most nervous days of my life. Um, you're welcome. Uh, people always say, well, you talk in front of people all the time, and I do, you guys. I talk about algebra and geometry and statistics, and so I was like, okay, I can do this, maybe. Um, and then Mark, I don't know that he realized this, but he reminded me about 28 times that today was Pentecost. And um, I know Christmas, I know Easter, I know Good Friday, and I know Epiphany allows me to keep my Christmas tree up after New Year's Day, but I don't really know Pentecost like I know those. So I went to my um, good friend, the Google, and I had to just read it word for word because then I was like, oh wait, I do know Pentecost, but it says, it commemorates the descent of the Holy Spirit on the apostles and other disciples following the crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. And it makes the beginning of the Christian church's mission to the world. So I like to think of Pentecost as the day that the disciples had that big aha moment in their life. And um, that's actually going to make me a little bit more nervous because I'm going to share my testimony, but I never felt like I had that big aha moment. And I always kind of felt like I just wasn't worth sharing my story. And um, so, Mark, you're still on the list, just so you know, like, do this. Um, I don't want anybody to think that I'm taking away if you have a big aha moment, because that's something I've always just wanted and been jealous of, those people whose life just turned around instantly. My um, testimony began many, many years ago, and this is the only math thing I'm going to do to you, is it was the year of America's bicentennial, so that you can kind of put that in, figure out that age, um, and I was christened as a baby. I don't really remember that day. My parents are out there, so they can tell you if I'm getting this wrong or not, but um, I know my parents were there. I'm pretty sure my grandparents were there, maybe my godparents, but I know that they answered that question, will you raise this child in God's love? And I really thought a lot about it, and I know I was. Um, I think about growing up, my mom always said, well, you can't have Sunday lunch if you don't have a church bulletin. And um, I, I will throw my sister under the bus. She tried the, you know, last week's bulletin. That didn't work. It had to be this week's bulletin, too. 
um, in the summers, I would go spend time with my granny and papa in South Georgia. And my papa sang in the choir. And I remember one day he said, you should always pay attention to the preacher. And I kind of think now it's probably because I was a little squirmy during the service. But I, I, I remember him saying with a smile, the preacher just might have something good to say. And I thought, okay, I'll start listening to preachers. And, but as a young child, that's still kind of hard sometimes to understand what the preacher's saying and things like that. Um, in graduate school, I had a unique opportunity to be roommates with my grandpa. His um, wife had passed away, and he just needed somebody there to help out. So while I would study, he would read. And he started reading the Bible. And one time he told me, he's like, I don't know if I understand what I'm reading, but I know it's important. And I often think of these two guys because, and I'm so sorry if I start crying, I'll try not to. But, um, you know, like, I know I was raised in faith. My parents, my grandparents, my godparents, my family, I was blessed. But it doesn't mean I've been perfect, and it doesn't mean it's been easy. Um, and I, I always thought, well, man, I just don't have that aha moment. But then I started really thinking about today. And I think about um, my walk with Christ has kind of um, been strong sometimes, and then sometimes I strayed away. Um, I've made excuses to not pray and worship. I've claimed that there's only 24 hours in a day, and just I just didn't have time for God. Um, I've often put myself first, forgetting about God and forgetting about others. And now, as old as I am, that will be the test later, um, I realize he never gave up on me, even though sometimes I kind of gave up on him. Um, I thought about listing all the times he didn't give up on me, but we don't have time for that. So we'll just go and tell you um, where that turning point was. I still don't think it was my aha moment, just so you guys know. Um, a few years ago, it's, it's been over 10 now, I got really, really sick, and I had to have some surgery, and I have nerve damage from the surgery and chronic pain. And I tell you this to tell you, I got to spend a whole month at the Mayo Clinic in uh, Minnesota. I recommend it to everybody, but I wish nobody has to go through that. Um, my life changed, and one of the things that, that it changed was I had to change my schedule, where I taught high school math, but I also coached cheerleading and did student government and did tons and tons of things. Um, I couldn't do all that. I physically just couldn't do it. So I had a lot of free time on my hand that I don't do well with. And I joined a Bible study class called Disciple. And I don't know if you've been through Disciple, but it's a 24-week course. It's pretty intense. Um, the first 12 weeks, I think, are the hardest because you're doing the Old Testament, and you can't refer to Jesus because, spoiler alert, they didn't know about Jesus in the Old Testament. So it was kind of hard. Um, but that changed my life. After I completed that course, I became more active in my church. Um, I started doing small groups. I started doing volunteering more. I started finding time for God in those 24 hours I didn't think I had. Plus, I had time for all the fun stuff I wanted to do, too. Um, I, I thought things were pretty good. And then um, God had a little different plan for me. And I think he always does. But there were some things that I needed to change in my life that I didn't realize. Um, one was I needed a new job, and I didn't know that. So I thought I would always be in a high school math classroom and 
that's what I would do. But around that same time, he got me a position where I left my alma mater, um, and I started teaching at a new school in a new district. And it led to my current position where now I get to help all the kids in the school district, not just those that are in my classroom. So it's a pretty, pretty exciting adventure. I needed a new church, and I think that was the hardest part. I left the church my parents attended, and one I loved dearly, dearly. And I'm probably just going to read this part word for word so I don't cry. Um, I found hope by listening to some sermons on YouTube prior to the pandemic, which I think was kind of funny because we talk about how many people have found church on YouTube and the web during the pandemic, but this was prior to it. Um, when I decided to come visit live, I walked in the first time and I felt like it was just home. Um, still a little uncertain because change is hard in anything we do. I signed up for an event called Hands of Hope. And Zach Butler will never understand this or probably never know this, but he was so excited when he was telling me about the job assignments I had that I knew I was in the right place because I was going to get to do something I had never done before and help somebody else. Um, I needed a place to share God's love and serve others, and, and I found it here at Hope. God also knew I needed a new support system. He did that through my job. And I didn't realize it until a few weeks ago how supportive they are in walking with Christ. And you don't get that everywhere you work, especially in public education. So let's stop there on that one. Okay. Um, so I don't have one aha moment. I have lots of aha moments. And um, they're, they're things from like memories of my grandparents um, when my mom beat cancer just different struggles I've had in my own life. But um, there are also things, like when we were in Chattanooga, walking around at Tent City, and we, I watched one of our youth give his hoodie as a gift to one of our new friends. Um, that was an aha moment for me. It's when we were at the Tallapoosa River, and somebody, no name, Sky, uh, finally tied me to her tube. I thought it was for safety, but I think it's really because she was tired of saving me from the trees. <laughs> she also untied me at one point, but we'll talk about that later. Um, it was the opportunity to spend the night one night with my second mom, who was battling cancer at the time, so that her husband could have hopefully attended his 50th Georgia-Florida game. Um, and if you know me, that was a big deal to be able to be asked so that somebody else could go to a game. Um, but it was also the same time years later that I got to celebrate not one but two national championships with that same family in Sanford Stadium. Dang, I didn't know if you knew that. It was two back to back. But <laughs> um, the uh, my aha moments are even. Um, getting to save a seat for a former student on Sunday mornings. <laughs> They're getting hugs from my girls on Sunday mornings and just spending time with old friends. So my last two sentences, I have four words now that I try to live by, love God and love others. It's those moments that are my aha moments. I'm passing it off to John.
Glad she grabbed the table. I was going to feel awkward for having to go grab it. So. <laughs> My name is John Davidson. I am the patriarch of the nerdiest family in Bethany. Um, I have five nerdy kids, and I have a nerdy son-in-law, um, and I have a very nerdy wife, so it all works out. We are totally crazy people. Um, so they told me when I got up here, first off, that I had to keep it like 10 minutes-ish. You know me, and you've heard me talk, probably going to lean closer to the ish. So, um, but Christian also told me, he's like, hey, keep an eye on the clock. And I'm thinking to myself, man, that's kind of rude because I've only got one. If I have to look at the clock, I can't look at the audience. <laughs> and he was like, all right, keep an eye out for a signal. I'll let you know. And I'm like, bro, I already got one out. Like, <laughs> you want another one? <laughs> Sorry, I like eye jokes. It breaks attention. Everybody's like, oh my God, he's got an eye patch. What do I do? Do I talk to him? Do I ask him what happened? What do I do? And he's like, you know what? I'll keep an eye on you and make sure you don't go over your time. And I'm like, Dude, did yours come out too? <laughs> so, so I've got a cool joke that I learned from a, a bunch of other people. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Victor Borgia, but he does this whole skit, and it's great. And he apparently knows somebody that's blind because he does several one-eye jokes. So my favorite one is, Pastor Mark, did you know that I can see more than you can see with your two eyes with my one eye? Yeah, because I can see both of yours, and you can only see one of mine. <laughs> Now, Christian, I think, really likes to mess with me because before I got my iPad stand, which is why I got my iPad stand, to be able to sing. Speaking of, by the way, it's really great to be able to talk to you guys when I can breathe. <laughs> like, normally I'm getting done playing and I'm like, good morning, Hope Church. And then I give it a minute because I'm like, okay. But no, um, back to that, Christian really likes to mess with me because before I got my tablet stand, which is half the reason I got it, every time we come up for practice or for church, he would move my music stand over here. And I'm like, I can't see out that side of my head. Like, put it over here. So, um, so I, I'm literally getting you guys to laugh at my misfortune because when things happen, when bad things happen, you can only do two things. You can let it kick your butt, you can let it drag you down, or you can laugh about it. You can have joy, you can sit in your faith and enjoy things. And um, I thought about it last night. My last name's Davidson, which literally translates as son of David. So if you happen to be named after the guy who like slayed giants, yeah, I better be ready to slay your own because it's just going to happen in time. So, hey, all you Davidsons out there on that table, good luck. Um, so um, a quick overview of what happened to my eye because everybody wants to know, everybody asks, or they want to ask. They usually don't ask. They just look at me like, really want to know, but is it appropriate to ask? Yes, it's appropriate to ask. Um, so eight years ago, I was diagnosed eventually with ocular melanoma, which is eye cancer that happens to be in the pigment of your eye. Um, I didn't know that at the time. I went to an optometrist and they're like, hey, you got a mass of blood vessels growing in your eye and you're eventually gonna lose your vision. Good luck, there's a surgery and it costs like thousands and thousands of dollars. It's gonna take you like six months to go through somewhere up north. And I'm like, bro, I'm the only one working. I don't have time to do all this crap. I'm not gonna be able to do this. Like, it's not gonna happen. So you know what, I'm just gonna go blind and call it good, great. You know, it'll happen. God's got it, no big deal. Needless to say, before all this, there was a lot of stuff that tested my faith to get it to the point where I was like, eh, I got a spare. God gave me another one, it's cool. Um, so, you know, eventually it got to the point where 
it happened. I went to the optometrist. They're like, hey, this is going to keep growing. You're going to go blind. Well, lo and behold, believe it or not, they were right. I went blind. So I couldn't see out of that eye. And I'm like, okay, well, that's cool. I've still got the eye. It looks normal. Not a big deal. It tracks with the other one, even though I can't see anything. You know, at that point in time, I might have thought about, like, being vain and being like, man, what the eye going to look like? But, you know, at this point in time in my life, I'm 40. I don't care. I've got my glasses spray painted. <laughs> um, so uh, it happened to come along to the point where I did lose my sight, like I said, and then Later on, about another month after that, I started having the most painful thing in my eyeball to ever happen. You ladies that have given birth, imagine trying to do that through your eye hole. Um, apparently, when the retina detached, which, by the way, let me give you a little hint on ocular melanoma. See, he's already trying to give me, like, my 10-minute timer you're hearing. <coughs> um, <laughs> so, um, ocular melanoma only happens to 5% of people, so if you're ever going to pray to be special or blessed... Pray for blessed. Don't pray to be special because 5% of people is special. I'm special. 5%. So don't do that. It only happens with 5% of people. And in those 5% of people, 0% of those people experience any pain. It doesn't happen. They just eventually eats into your brain and you die. Um, so I started having an immense amount of pain. So what had happened was the retina had detached. Or, yeah, the retina had detached. And when it did, it fell over the angle of my eye which gave me angle closure glycoma, acute angle closure glycoma. I maxed out every pressure meter they had on my eye. They actually had to go get a special pressure meter at Emory. And like, I'm curled up, and I'm a big guy. I've done martial arts my whole life. Like, I'm a fourth degree black belt. I've had pain, and I know what pain feels like. But when I'm curled up in the fetal position crying after taking two Percocets, that's pain. Um, so they, they did every test they could, and eventually they were like, hey, we're just going to have to take it out because there's nothing else we can do. They still had no idea it was cancer. They were like, we're just going to take it out. And at that point in time, I'm like, give me a melon ball or I'll do it myself. Like, I'm done. Like, it hurts. So we went through the surgery. Everything kind of went okay for the most part. So if you've ever taken Percocets for a long time and you have to come off of them and they tell you not to take them for 24 hours, just FYI, it will make you sick and you will throw up. And you know what happens when you have surgery in your eye and you throw up? <laughs> it's bad. Um, so that happened. And, you know, I went through a bunch of recoveries, sitting around, doing nothing, developed super hearing, which really drives my wife crazy because I can hear everything she's saying about me in the other room. Um, <laughs> so, you know, they biopsied the eye and they came back and was like, hey, you had ocular melanoma. My prognosis, if I had not had my eye removed, was three to six months. I would have been dead seven years ago, three to six months. Um, so I say that to tell you that not everything that happens to you is good, but it can be used for good. Did I think the pain that I went through was great? No, it was horrible. But if I didn't have that pain, God literally allowed that to happen to where it closed off my angle of my eye to give me the most excruciating pain so that I would be alive today to be able to give a testimony about that. So my two favorite verses in the world are Romans 8:28, and we know that all things work together for good for those that love God. It doesn't say all things are good all the time for those that love God, but all things work together for good. So yeah, the things that happened to me sucked. It was bad. It hurt. It was horrible, like the worst year of my life. And you know, I, I did get a prosthetic. They put one in, and I went and got the cool little thing. And like literally a year later to the date, I caught the flu. 
When you catch the flu, you sneeze and cough a lot. You know what happens to something that they put in your eye when you sneeze and cough a lot? It doesn't stay. So I ended up going back to the emergency room. They're like, well, what do we do? Uh, I'm asking them, and they're like, hey, uh, we can do the same thing for you, but um, you're going to go through that same surgery. And I'm like, no, <laughs> not at all. I was like, is it okay for it to be out? And they're like, oh, it's actually healthier for it to be out. I'm like, bro, I'm 38 years old. I'm done. Like, I, I'm cool. I'm not vain. Like, just leave it out. I'll spray paint, buy some freaking patch or something. I'll be the pirate for the rest of my life, you know, which I am. I, I lost the title of dad or anything else. Like, I, every Halloween I go as a pirate, whether it's a pirate Power Ranger for a kid or a pirate Mario brother or a, you know, pirate Pokemon trainer or, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm always a pirate something. There's no getting around it. So, um, so my other favorite verse, and I actually got this from a Christian comedian named Mark Lowry. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of him. So it's uh, Luke 5.1. And it's actually Luke 5, 1, like A. And it came to pass. That's it. It came to pass. It didn't come to stay. It didn't come to continue to bother me. It didn't come to continue to beat me down. It came to pass. And at this point in time, you know, we let things bother us. And sometimes bad things happen. But where's our faith at? Do we accept that that bad thing happened to us and we just go ahead and let that bad thing beat us down the rest of the time? Or we let our faith determine what our demeanor is going to be when that bad thing happens? Or are we going to let the devil steal the joy? Because it can hurt and it can be bad, but you can still find joy in the bad. So that is my testimony. Now everybody knows what happened to my eye. Um, I gave you plenty of eye jokes to use later. Um, there's still plenty more because um, it's ironic that I was put up here to do stuff, and, you know, I could go on forever, but I'm not, because I've only got 10 minutes, and I think I'm actually, like, three minutes past that, because Christian's staring at me with, like, the glare, like, um, but, so, just, you know, when bad things happen, don't let it beat you down, let your faith grow, so that you can rise above that, and be an example to other people, because that's what I try to be right now, is I try to be that example to other people that are going through the horrible things, going through the bad things, going through the things that hurt so bad that you're in the fetal position screaming and crying at like 30 years old like a baby. Like my wife's sitting in the hospital, I know she's like, oh my God, will he please shut up? <laughs> like I'm screaming on the gurney and the people are just like looking around and I know they're looking at me but like there's nothing I could do. I'm screaming bloody murder because it hurts and I know everybody in there is like, oh my God, I wish that guy would just shut up. Somebody knock him out, give him some freaking drama doll or something, I don't know. <laughs> so, you know, when, when it gets that bad, you know, just think, it came to pass. And I hate it, you young kids that have like muscles in your earlobes, enjoy them. <laughs> it came to pass. <sighs> so, just don't let things bother you to the point that you lose your joy, lose your faith. Be an example to somebody else. Thank you very much. My name's Morgan, and I was going to try and memorize all this, but I rewrote it on Friday, like, while I was getting ready, because, like, what I had I didn't like, so I'm going to read it. So I've, I grew up here, so I um, have given my testimony a couple times, and I've been to a lot of church camps and given my testimony, and I have a podcast, shameless plug, called the 8th Day Podcast, and I talk about it on there, too, so... 
Um, I've shared my testimony a lot of times. Um, I felt privileged to be able to do that. But so when Mark was like, hey, you want to speak on this day? I was like, sure, that's no problem. I probably already have it in my notes somewhere. I'll just reread it. And then on Friday, I was getting ready, and I was like, you know, I think I really need to talk about something else. So, it, I mean, this is my testimony, but it's just a little different, so just bear with me. So, I'm in um, the young adult, adult small group here, and we recently were, there, there were like 22 to 25 plus Daniel, and, um, <laughs> and Daniel's older than that. Um, but so recently we were talking about social media and how when we were growing up, like middle school, high school, that being a Christian was so popular. And people got famous, like Sadie Robertson. There were people I went to high school with that are famous now, like literally famous on Instagram that that's their job because they were a Christian. And um, so that it was so it was just trendy. Um, so yeah. So that's really when my faith journey started was middle early late middle school early high school, and um, it was definitely way easier for me then to talk about my faith because it was popular and trendy and cool and that's what people did. But it was also because my faith was really pretty. It was easy to post about it on Instagram and get a lot of likes on it because. It was just pretty, like, oh, I wasn't a Christian, and now I am, and God saved me, and my life is perfect because of it, and that's just kind of how it was, and it was a lot easier then, um, and I hadn't experienced the ugliness of doubt and grief and loss and anger towards God and all that kind of stuff that I've experienced now, so I'm going to skip past that because I think I already said it. So nowadays, it, as I've gotten older, it's much less popular to be a Christian in the world. And a lot of those people that were famous for being Christians either don't talk about it anymore, and they're still famous, or they still talk about it, and everybody hates them. That's real. Like, people that have been famous on Instagram forever for being Christians, now people don't like them because they're Christians. And that's the world we live in now. So it makes it harder to talk about your faith publicly because of that, but also because I have experienced the ugly stuff. So I've kind of come full circle here at our church. I grew up in, like I said, I grew up here, and I had three, really four amazing small group leaders when I was in middle school and high school, and now I'm a small group leader, and I have really good girls, and they have the best small group leader ever. And... Um, <laughs> Then I've, you know, I, I've been through grief of my own, and the church has rallied behind me, and now I get to help other people um, in the grief with our care team, and um, my fiancé is the worship leader, and I get to see him do fun stuff and cool stuff with his ministry, so I feel like we've kind of, like, I feel like I've come full circle. Like, the church and God gave so much to me through this community, and I get to give it back now, and so that's a really cool um, experience. And let me figure out where I am. <laughs> so, yeah, and I, oh, and I have my podcast. I'll say it again. I wrote it in here, so I'm going to say it again. And um, I get, that was like the eighth day of something that I started after um, the loss of my boyfriend in 2020. And it started as like a, a, gr a grief group kind of thing. And then it really just was like, okay, I'm just going to stick with the care team and help people with funerals and things like that. And then it progressed into the podcast where we try and, share stuff about it. So all that pr 
pretty stuff, the full circle stuff, was really like the main focus of what I wanted to say this morning was how God had made all the stuff full circle. Um, but I just changed my mind. Because the ugly truth is, I've also seen my dreams be snatched away from me. I felt extremely lonely, like I had no community when I was watching my friends go off to school when I stayed home. Um, uh, I've gotten angry. I've gotten really angry at God, and I've questioned why I was putting my faith in him when he didn't seem faithful at all to me. Um, I've been burnt and burnt out by our church and by what I felt like God and people trying to do things because people make mistakes. And um, I've burnt people and hurt people in the name of Jesus because I was trying to do the right thing. Um, and I've questioned the foundation of what I've built my life on um, more times than I'd like to admit. Um, I've rebelled against God. I've lashed out in anger just to hurt somebody. Um, I've made more, this, more mistakes than I'd like to. Um, and that's the ugly side. And I didn't know why I was going to cry. I didn't plan to. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the truth. I'm just going to hold this because I can't see it. <laughs> and that's the, that's the truth. That's not the stuff that I would post on my Instagram or write a pretty Facebook post about. But it's the truth, and it's ugly. Um, I felt the closest I've ever, ever felt to God and the furthest away from him in the same place on any given Sunday morning. When, like I said, my boyfriend died in 2020, and I remember looking myself in the mirror a couple weeks later and being like, do you really believe what you said you believed? Because, sorry, <laughs> because I had told everybody, I had built my life on, this is what I believe. But I had never had anything shake it, nothing to make me question it. So I looked myself in the eyes and was like, do you really believe what you said you believed? Because if you do, then you have to handle this this way. And if you don't, then you can handle it however you want. So, um, let me see where I am. And I, like I said, I knew my faith had never been shaken that way or never been tested like that. And I was either going to handle it the right way or I was going to handle it my way. So... I'm thankful today for a community of friends and family that helped me make the right choice and that helped me remember why and who I believe in and be thank and I'm thankful for that my relationship with Jesus is was real and is real because if it wasn't I don't think I would have survived that. My prayer is that we that you don't wait for something like that to shake your faith to make your relationship with Jesus real. Because the ugly is un is inevitable. It happens to everybody in, in your life, unfortunately. So make your relationship with God so strong, so close, so intimate that the darkest thing in your life can't shake it. <sighs> okay. Your faith journey isn't always going to be Instagram worthy, but if you remember who and whose you are, you'll know that every trial is always worth it, kind of like what John said. He truly does make all things come together for our good and his glory, even the ugly stuff. So like I said, I had a lot of personal stories to share, but I feel like I've done that a few times. So um, God really urged me to make this moment more about him and less about me. So I hope that's how it comes out. Even in the deepest of valleys, he never left my side. And all I had to do was trust and believe that he was there. It's not always pretty and it's not always fun, but I truly believe having faith in God and a real relationship with Jesus is always worth it in the end. So that I have a painting, like a picture of a painting, if Christian remembered to put it in, he did. 
So <laughs> that's a painting by Vincent Van Gogh. And I know nothing about art, literally nothing. I, my only B in high school was in art. So, the, but the painting is of, um, it's, called, it's by Vincent Van Gogh, and it's called The Portrait with a Bandaged Ear. So I saw this, I, this is not like my original, like I saw somebody else post about this, so I, this is, I can't take credit for this. But um, he painted this self-portrait after having like a mental breakdown. So I think he was in jail, like I said, I know nothing about art. And I think he was in jail and he cut off his ear and then him and his friend were fighting and he like, they put him in a mental institution and he cut off his ear. And then as soon as he came home, he painted this picture and he still, it, this is like a self-portrait and he still has the bandage on his ear. This painting right now is really famous, which like I said, I don't know anything about art, so I didn't know it was famous, but it's very famous. And it's worth, the original painting is worth 71 and a half million dollars. And I would imagine that this was when Van Gogh painted this painting of himself, that this was probably the um, darkest point in his life. I mean, the man literally cut off, of his, off his ear. So I would imagine that was a pretty dark time, and it's probably not something that he wanted to share publicly, but he was able to be vulnerable and share his reality through his form of communication, which was painting. And um, now it's super famous, and it's worth a lot of money. So when we share our deepest, darkest, ugliest truths and stories, God gives them value and God values them because they're real and, true, and I truly believe that they show the character of God. That, these stories and testimonies show that even in the darkest and ugly, ugliest moments of our lives, we can still glorify God and we can trust him with our ugly parts just as we trust him with the beautiful ones. That's it. Everybody, an extra hand, please. That was awesome. David, Laura, John, Morgan. That was awesome. Um, God is good. God's with you. And your stories and you have value. I think that's been made very clear today, don't you think? Um, I've been called up here to dismiss you because... We done. That was it. So, um, hey, I love you guys. I will hopefully see you next Sunday. Um, if you see anybody that gave a testimony, tell them you appreciate them. Tell them you love them. Spread God's love. Get out. Thank you again for joining us today. We are glad that you stopped by. Again, we want to encourage you to visit us online at placeofhope.org. If you're in the Paulding County area there, you can get service times, directions, and information about all of our awesome activities for children, for students, and for adults. Again, Hope Church is on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for Him, and we hope to provide you the heart fuel you need to follow Jesus. Thanks again.